Welcome to season five of Coffee Pods, a coffee break length look at the Christian healing ministry. During Advent, we're taking a reflective journey in exploring how we can heal our image of God, self and others. So, whether you're a gingerbread latte, a spiced cappuccino or an Americano, there's something here for you. So grab your coffee mug, put in your earbuds and let's go. Welcome to this fifth series of Coffee Pods. Following on from two recent mornings on inner healing, I thought it would be helpful to capture some of the main themes in this fifth series. And we've entitled it Healthy on the Inside or Healing Our Image. We're going to look at healing our image of God, healing our image of ourselves and healing our image of others. But today, we're going to begin by asking the question, what's on the inside? What is it that we're made of and how do we work? In Psalm 8, David asks God, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? And and the mindful word, it's not just about being aware, but it's about care. It's about attention. It's about involvement. So it's a good idea to find out who we are by asking God who made us, rather than trying to work it out from our culture, even our church culture, that sees us in its own image. In Paul's first letter to the Thessalonian Christians, chapter 5, verse 23, he concludes with these words. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are tripartite, three parts, spirit, soul and mind and body. Your body inhabits the natural physical world, the world of the material the stuff that you can touch and taste, you can smell and hear and see, the things that you can experience through your senses. Your mind or your soul operates in the world of the social and the rational. It's where relationships and emotion exist, as well as the rational and the intellectual and the place where you make choices and decisions. In the realm of healing, this is the realm where the psychosomatic operates. Your spirit interacts with the realm of the supernatural, the transcendent. It's the world of the spiritual, of miracles and mystery. It's the place of the transrational, things that are not irrational, but they simply go beyond logic like the peace that passes or transcends all understanding from Philippians chapter 4. All these three realities form one whole you, and they were all designed to work together in perfect harmony, to be integrated so that you could function in them all equally and with equilibrium, which is a fancy word for being balanced. So, if you asked a first century Jew where they worshipped, 
they wouldn't necessarily understand your question in the way that you do. When you ask a 21st century Christian the same question, they will tell you the name of the church building they go to, to sing and to pray and to go to services, or the congregation that they are part of. But to our Jew, it would not be perceived as which congregation they attended. Because for the Hebrew, their view of life was about one whole thing. They worshipped where they lived, where they worked, or where they did whatever the equivalent was of shining their shoes or taking out the trash. For the Jew, life was all of these parts together. There was no division of sacred and secular. And I guess in a sense, the only thing that is secular is sin. Because yes, God created things and they can get distorted, and of course, that's why God is intent on bringing all things back to himself. The world of the modern, of commerce, of politics, of economics, tells you that the spiritual world is unreal. And if you must have it, then keep it private. Funnily enough, some churchianity tells us the opposite that the only thing you need to focus on is your spiritual life and the world of justice and poverty, of politics and business, of relationships in family and marriage are less important things than if you have had your quiet time, been to church and evangelised someone. I guess we've all been asked the question, how are you doing spiritually? And, and I'm a little bit naughty now, but I play a little bit of a game with that. And I say, I don't really understand what you're talking about, simply because I don't think that you can separate my spiritual life from my relationships or my values or my behavior or my conduct. You've got to ask me, Wes, how are you doing? So it becomes easy, almost too easy to live in a fragmented world, to become dis integrated, to have three separate worlds, not one healthy whole life. And sadly, church can sometimes contribute to those disconnections. We have all probably had the experience of limping along the hard shoulder um, in a car rather than walking, of course. You know, the engine has enough power to keep moving forward, but in a restricted and laboured fashion. It still looks like a car, it still drives forward like a car, but because of a malfunction, a disconnection, not all the parts are working. The journey does not match our expectations, nor is it pleasurable. I guess it's a question of it is life, but not as we know it. Pierre Tillard de Chardin was a French idealist philosopher and Jesuit priest who trained, funnily enough, as a paleontologist and geologist. But he is credited with the quote, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now, his quote is a fairly debated point, but it highlights a key question of how do you see yourself? Who are you really? Are you working hard to find God a human being trying to be spiritual, or are you fundamentally a spiritual being trying to live for God 
in the realm of the human. In creation, at the first, the spirit was the central organ of knowing. The Holy Spirit revealed to your mind what was true and what was the truth. The Spirit then informed your mind, not the other way around, as we think, for example, about miracles, and then your mind told your body how to conduct itself in the light of God's presence and his love. In rationalism, and indeed in some forms of carnalism, uh, the mind became the central organ of knowing, of determining reality. What I thought and could measure and grasp was real. Everything else was a fantasy. And of course, my mind then informed my body what it could and should do. And the spirit was largely shut down. And even in some expressions of Christianity, the mind is still the central organ of knowing. And it sits above the spirit. So the Holy Spirit communicating to our spirit doesn't get first say. And then we do try to do things that are good and moral with our body. But Jesus was led by the spirit. It informed his mind what reality was really like, God weighs up, and he lived in his body in that light. The three elements were all in their place and all working equally and in equilibrium. An integrated life, just as God intended, healthy on the inside. So in private and in public, Jesus was the same thing, the same person. Before kings and in the company of tax collectors and sinners, he was the same thing. Before the pure and before the prostitutes, he was the same thing. He was the same thing in the pulpit and he was the same thing in private around the meal table that there was no two different characters that you met. He was just one healthy, integrated, whole, living the life that God intended him to live. And of course, it's the life that God offers us now, the Jesus life. In fact, somebody said a Christian is somebody living the Jesus life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the key things is that how do we live this integrated life? How can my spirit be active that can be the place where God is speaking that then tells me what reality really is like? And, and my mind then gets hold of that and my body behaves in the way that it should in the light of that information. It's how you get involved, I guess, to some degree in the healing ministry. Because as you look at somebody who is sick, your mind can tell you one whole set of information. And yet God, by his spirit, stirring faith, can tell you a different reality. And often we say that as we pray for people, we pray for them, not simply looking at the reality that they're in, but looking at the reality of the kingdom of heaven. What does it look like in the kingdom of heaven? What does God's grace in them and over them look like? And we pray that 
rather than what our mind might say, this is a very difficult, difficult thing to do. It's why some of the great heroes of the healing ministry that we've been looking at in the School of Healing too have prayed contrary to the prevailing spirit in the room, the prevailing attitude in the room, and seen God work wonderfully on behalf of others. And so no acorn event would be complete, I guess, without an and now. And so before we pray, I'd like to give you maybe a few things that perhaps you could go away and think about and, and work on. So what five words currently describe your life? And how are those words spread across these three overlapping realities of body and mind and spirit? Is it all one? Is it over two? Or are they spread over three? And is it what you expected them to be? And is there any disconnect? So you could write body, mind and spirit and across the top of a page and just place five words somewhere underneath them, um, between them, alongside them, just to say, what does life look like for me? My second thing is, what do you need to do to get your spirit alive and active towards God? And, you know, whether it's um, silence or uh, singing and worship, whether it's walking in the countryside, whether it's reading the Bible, whatever it is for you, do that. But then start to ask God questions. It is much better than you giving God the answers that you think he wants to come up with. And sometimes I will just ask God questions and leave them with him and allow him to come back and give me the understanding that I need. One interesting thing is that you may find that God will come back to you with questions that you have never considered. And in those moments, can I encourage you just to sit with them for a while rather than jumping to a snap conclusion? It's a little bit like the Sunday school story where the Sunday school teacher holds up a picture of a grey squirrel and says to the class, now children, what is this? And after a little while, a boy puts his hand up and says, please, miss, I know the answer is Jesus, but it does look awfully like a grey squirrel to me. And, you know, as we wait for God to help us understand where he's drawing us to, it is with this assurance that he wants us, body, soul and spirit, to be whole and to be blessed in one living reality. That way we become healthy on the inside. If you've found these podcasts helpful, you can help others find them by giving us a like on iTunes. But now let's just pray together. Father, thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus that you have poured out your love and grace upon mankind so that we might know you fully in every part of our life, body, mind and spirit. And Lord, I pray today that your grace will be upon each of us, that where we need healing of heart and healing of mind and healing of body, Lord, send your Holy Spirit powerfully upon us 
that we may receive the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Coffee Pod. We hope that you have found it enriching and inspiring. For information on our events, how to get involved and how to support ACORN, check out www.acornchristian.org. See you next week and don't forget, have a very Merry Christmas.